0: I did all of the things I was supposed to do. I graduated law school. I'm working in Las Vegas. I hit that first six figure year in 2015. Wow. And in March of 2016, it all fell apart. Welcome to the Persistence
1: You podcast with Lizbeth. And that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lizbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome to another episode of Persistence You with Lizbeth, where today's guest is Amber Furman. Amber is an attorney. She is someone who's had a lot of other continuing education, but what interested me the most about Amber, I'm going to let her share her own bio, but when I was reading her bio, she talks about the fact that even though she's someone who achieved, let's just say a law degree for heaven's sakes and a great law practice, there was still a little voice that said, if only this other thing would happen, then I could be happy if only I achieve this other thing, then I'll be happy. I feel like that's something I completely relate to. I absolutely find even at my much older than Amber age, that when I have those thoughts in my head, if only this, then that, that it's never true. And so Amber did something about it. And today she is doing so, well I'll let Amber share her, uh, herself about the the most recent continuing education and how Amber serves other people like herself. Amber, welcome to Persistence U with Lisbeth and I'm so happy you're here.
0: Lisbeth, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with your audience today. I am thrilled to have you and thank you. Tell tell me a little bit about your law degree and when
1: it was that you realized that there was if only this than that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I think there's a part of me that knew all along, right? Um, So I made the decision to go to law school much later in life than most. Um, And it's ironic because when I was younger, trying to decide what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, my dad and I would have these conversations about what um, career path might be a good fit for me. And he had mentioned you love legal thrillers. You like John Grisham books, like you should consider law school. And I'm like, that's a horrible idea, dad. That sounds awful. Um, so I went to school for computer programming and he told me, you're going to absolutely hate that. And I said, what makes you think that? He says, you're just going to be sitting in an office, staring at a computer all day, um, trying to figure out where like one thing is missing. You're not going to be out interacting with people. You're going to be unhappy. Well, if only I could have known at that point what being an attorney is really like, I would have known that you had those two things backwards, right? Because 90% of my life as an attorney is in front of a computer writing things. So um, I went to school for computer programming and was sure, like most 17 and 18-year-olds, that my dad knew nothing. And, um <laughs> At the end of my first year of college, my dad was killed in a work accident and my life derailed. Um, I was a daddy's girl. He, at this time where I was supposed to be figuring out who I am and where I fit into the world, I had just had this huge piece of me ripped away. And It was unfortunately, you go to bed one night and your life is fine, and you wake up the next morning and it's not. So, um, I went for somebody who only wanted to have success in my life, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I I went down an entirely unsuccessful path. And after five years of failing out of undergrad, college, uh, um, classes, getting my GPA was under a, a one. Point like two, I think it was awful. Um, I thought I've got to do something like, this is not the life I signed up for. So I decided maybe this law school thing had some merit to it. I decided to go um, to law school, did really well in law school, um, put my head down all this time. I was thinking if I just work hard enough, there's going to be a point in time where it all pays off where all the pain goes away, where all of the insecurities, the self-doubt, the belief that I've done things that, you know, make me less than in my life, that that's all going to disappear. And I, it makes me laugh now because that number in my head was a six figure income and a law degree and six figures is so little now that, I mean, it's insane. So I did all of the things I was supposed to do. I graduated law school. I'm working in Las Vegas. I hit that first six-figure year in 2015. Wow. And in March of 2016, because I sat there and waited. Like, this was the moment. This was the moment I had worked so hard for. Right. Where was the peace? Where was the change? Where was everything that was supposed to get better? The magic fairies that were supposed to come take away all my problems. Um, And I tell people all the time that the most dangerous thing you can do is tie your definition of success to an external result. Because you might hit it. And when you do, your entire version of the world shatters. I didn't know how to function. Because the world that I had been functioning in was a world where money and success fixed everything. And when it didn't, I didn't even know how to show up. So I started having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and having to figure out what life really meant to me. So that's kind of the moment. The rock bottom moment wasn't when my dad passed away. It wasn't when I fell out of college. It wasn't when you know, I went to my 10th funeral before the age of 25. It wasn't any of that. It was the moment that I realized that money and success wasn't going to fix it. And I had been running from problems I was never going to be able to outrun.
1: I think that is so profound because it wasn't in the striving to get at the goal, it was rather the achieving it where all of that reality came. And I feel like that is so many of us can relate to that. I am hugely guilty of being a very driven person, but the message behind it, there's a lot of worthiness issues, but the message behind it being, you know, if only this thing would happen, then all the other things would snap into place like Lincoln logs. And it just doesn't work that way. But then you have the added guilt of being the person that achieved
0: their goal and you feel bad. Well, and the, and the family side too, like I'm I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And so anybody who's looking at me from the outside is always called me the successful one. My brothers are incredibly successful. Uh, I think that they are both arguably more successful than I am. They would say different of me. Um, But they look at me and they think, you're the one that went to law school. You're the one with the six-figure income. You're the one. Well, they both do now anyways. But they, my mom never went to college. And so when I called her and said, you know, mom, I don't know that this law thing is what I'm cut out for in, in law school, back up just a little bit in law school, they did a, um, presentation for us about all the things that we could do with our law degree besides practice law. And I thought that they were talking with foreheads. Like why would anybody go through all of this stuff and not practice law? I couldn't understand it. Right. Now I wish I would have listened more. <laughs> because I'm done. So when I'm talking to my mom and say, you know, I think I, I'm gonna open a business consulting company. This was two years before my business consulting company was a thing. I told her, I said, I think I'm gonna step back from the law. I'm gonna start business coaching. I'm gonna start sales training. I'm gonna start doing some of these things that have helped me feel whole again. Mm-hmm. And um she looked at me like, Why would you throw your life away? And I thought I'm not, I'm taking control of it for probably the first time.
1: Wow. Wow. A, b- a brave decision, especially you. after your dad. You know, it's, I wonder if some of going to law school, how much of it had to do with, I don't know, all what, of it. Well, yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> all of it. All of it had to do with him in one way or another. Mm-hmm. It was either trying to hold on to whatever piece I had of him left, which Was the idea that he wanted me to be an attorney or trying to run from the pain of losing him? It all, like his loss up until probably three years ago, I would say that his memory in one shape, way, shape, or form impacted every decision that I made. Wow every single one up until even up until the way that I branded myself as a coach, because my dad was a contractor. He owned his own business as um, a contractor. He built houses. I remembered him sitting at CAD drawings um, and creating those in our house. And so when I opened my company success development solutions and thought, what do I want to call myself? Cause I'm not calling myself a coach. It's overrated. Um, I, I, Ended up calling myself a success architect. And that was a nod to him oh. in like building and architecting this house. Like we do the same thing with our lives, right? You can't build the life, the career, the profession, the relationship, whatever it is, you can't build it if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a blueprint, if you don't have a path of how you're going to get there, you end up with random things put together that you expected would create a result and they don't. So Mm -hmm. everything from the way that I run my companies now, he has had an incredible influence on.
1: It's amazing. And I think for listeners, when we look back to the decisions we make on very important life choices You know, so often we don't stop to think about why are we really making that decision? We make it and we forget about our history, you know, our family history and the history around us. And we move forward only when we're older, typically much older than I would expect. You You know, you found at a young age, you're like, wait a minute, this is not really filling the void. So, I mean, it's a great reminder that we need to look at why we've chosen the things we've done. Are we doing it out of reflex for something we'd not even thought of? And what yeah. do we want to do about that? Because life is short. Life yeah. is very short. So how really wonderful. Is. Then you got some extra training. I was reading about the other things. So yeah, please tell us about your journey.
0: Yeah. So, um, 2016 came and I hit my rock bottom and I had to figure out what, um, life looked like to me. And I needed something that did not remind me of anything that I had ever done before. So through a long series of events, I started, um, obstacle course racing. And as I started obstacle course racing, I started to gain confidence that I didn't know existed. So, I would, I would go out on these courses and I would climb these eight foot walls and I would do these 20, 30 mile weekends for somebody who had never called themselves an athlete before. And what I noticed was that the more I pushed myself out of my comfort zone physically, the more professionally and personally I was willing to do the same. So towards the end of my year of obstacle course racing, I decided that I was going to have the brave decision to leave the law and i t- i didn't know what i was going to do i hadn't found any of the healing that i have done yet i just wanted to hit the reset button i wanted to figure out where my life went wrong um and i'm so glad i didn't because if we restart our life with the same mindset that we created it with, we're going to create the same life again. It's just going to have a different title to it, but we're going to be chasing success the same way that we were before. We have to do the inner work of what we thought we were running from when we wanted that success if we want to create something different. So I met somebody who told me that I should open my own business. And I said, that sounds, again, horrible. Um I opened my law firm in 2017, um, and I had no idea how to run a business at all. So I started inserting myself into the business community. I figured that the best way to learn how to run a business was to surround myself with people who run businesses. Mm -hmm. And through that, I met the person who has become multiple roles to me, a business partner, mentor, coach, um, friend. And um, she introduced me to neurolinguistics programming or NLP, and I went to these NLP seminars with her or through her for the purposes of learning how to communicate better and have better sales and run my business to learn how to do these things that were going to um, propel me to what I thought was the next level of success. And I did all of those things, and than some. And it was when I started realizing that I was having conversations with my mom for the first time in years, I was having deeper relationships with my friends. I was showing up differently in personal and professional relationships. I didn't know why my life was changing. I just knew it was changing. Um, All I knew is I went to a sales seminar and now all of a sudden my mom doesn't make me want to throw up when I talk to her because she's saying all the things that I haven't wanted to listen to in my entire life. So As time went on and people kept reaching out to me saying, like, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something and I want to know what it is... I decided that this was too much to keep to myself. And that's when the coaching company started Success Development Solutions. That's when I decided I was going to become a trainer of NLP and pass on that knowledge. So now in addition to my law firm, which is a criminal defense and immigration law firm in Vegas, um, I have Success Success Development Solutions where we focus on helping people Um, reach that next level of success and do it by learning about who they are and what life experiences have um, created the life that they have now, what of those relationships they like and which ones they wish that they could reprogram and how we can start to change the mindset that created what it is now so that they can go to the next level.
1: Fantastic. Is it fulfilling? I love it. Who? I absolutely love it. Good. And when you find yourself, I don't know if you still do once in a while saying to yourself, if only this, then that
0: all day. Um, I do, (laughs) I think, I think it's the entrepreneurial curse, right? It's the curse of wanting more and trying to figure out how to be grateful for what you have at the same time, um, avoiding that complacency. And it's a fine line between complacency and gratitude right? That, that constant search for more. So I use a tool called the life wheel. Um, I don't know if you and your listeners are familiar with this, but just to give a, image for anybody who may not be. it is. It looks almost like a trivial pursuit piece. It's a circle. It's split into eight or nine sections. And each section corresponds to an area of your life. You rank where you feel like you're satisfied in that area of your life from zero to 10. And you kind of see the areas that maybe could use some attention. So I do that every quarter. I do that every 90 days when I do my goal setting and things to that effect and anything that goes on my goal sheet, in addition to the goal itself and the steps of how I'm going to accomplish it, I ask myself what the purpose of wanting it is, because once I know what the purpose of wanting it is, I can know whether it's a true, authentic reason or whether it is chasing something that's not going to have the impact I think it's going to have.
1: Okay. I like that. So you're constantly refreshing your why behind it. Mm-hmm. What is the motivator? Not just blindly going toward a goal that one time you set and you don't know why.
0: Yeah. Like what <laughs> it do the next is do I think going to bring for me, right? Because right. this is the number one question that I ask people when they tell me that they want to make a six-figure income is what do you think six figures is going to do for you? Because I've never met somebody who wants to make a six-figure income just so they can carry around six figures in a briefcase and hold the money, right? They have associated that with a result of some kind. So what is it that you think that money is going to bring to you? And what are the other ways that you may be able to accomplish it that also go in line with, you know, your number one core values? I got... I've never been u- uber family-oriented. I never wanted children. I was always very career-driven. So for me, family is important, and yet it is not my number one core value at all. Um, I love my family. I'm not going to create one of my own. For somebody who is saying that they want this high-level executive position, doesn't? it's not impossible. It's, it's extremely possible to balance both. What's the purpose of you wanting that though? And is it really worth taking away from the things that you've said are incredibly important to you? Are there, because that CEO level position, that that income, that prestige, that speaking engagement, whatever it is, it's not going to create the self-worth that you think it will. So if it is a self-worth based, a perception based, if it's something that you think other people are going to see you differently as a result of, those are all the wrong reasons. And those are most of the reasons people chase things.
1: I like it. I think that's fantastic. Being very intentional, very clear so that you can be then very, very committed Yes. The steps between here, where you're at and
0: where you want to be. And no, it can change, right? Like what I tell you I want today, I very well could wake up in two months, three months and said, that just wasn't as important to me. Mm-hmm. Right. One of my absolute favorite concepts is this idea of redefining failure. We talk so often about wanting something and putting our mind to it and putting our head down until we accomplish it. But What happens between wanting it and accomplishing it when we realize that we wanted the result, but we didn't want the work, we didn't want the process. And if we say, I actually don't want to work hard enough to accomplish this goal, so I must not want it as bad as I thought I did. When did that become failure? Because that sounds pretty dang successful to me to be able to say, I didn't really want this as bad as I thought I did. And I'm going to reevaluate and I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure out what I'm willing to work for. I like it. Permission
1: to recalibrate and not then shame ourselves with, I said this was important and I invested in this course or this thing and now I'm not doing it. That is very smart because this does evolve. Our whole life journey evolves. And so- yeah really, maybe the gold is in that process of getting to where we think we want to be and being aware, you know, the entire time of what we're gaining in the, in that process. Yeah. Amber, where can people learn more about your practice? Tell us again, the name and how could they connect with you if they want to work with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the company is called Success Development Solutions. And probably the best way to interact with me is to go to successdevelopmentsolutions.com. All of my stuff is there. Um, You can access my podcast there. You can get the free life wheel resource that um, you can start to use as a planner for your intentionality practice. Um, You can reach out to me, message me there. So the, the best way to really get in the ecosystem if you want more of what we're talking about, is successdevelopmentsolutions.com. Perfect.
1: I think I adore what you're doing and I just feel like you've hit on something that is just so very human and yeah. that is our ability to think even in this time financially worldwide, you know. If only we could get through this tough financial period, things are going to be yeah. perfect. And it's it's a danger to not pay attention to our thoughts and to the process. And it's so disappointing. And I could just say myself when there have been times where I've achieved improbable goals only to feel more awful than ever. So I love what you're doing and giving voice to that um, very human condition. Thank you
0: so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I enjoyed um, talking with you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show.
1: Thank you for listening if you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.